The Old Testament reading for our celebration of the transfiguration of our Lord comes from the book of Exodus, the 24th chapter. Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God, and ate, and drank. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain, and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone, with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, And Moses went up into the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. This is the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. For great is his steadfast love toward us. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come to his courts. The epistle reading, which serves in the text for our sermon this morning, comes from the second letter of St. Peter, the first chapter. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And this is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Matthew, the 17th chapter. After six days... Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, 
And a voice from the clouds said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we celebrate the transfiguration of our Lord, that glorious day when he revealed a glimpse of his heavenly radiance and majesty to Peter and James and John. That amazing day when Moses and Elijah appeared on the mountaintop with him, showing that this was indeed the one that they looked forward to and who fulfilled all of their words. That day when the voice of God spoke from heaven, affirming that Jesus was his beloved Son, and we are to listen to him. The season of Epiphany, it's all about Jesus revealing himself and his glory to the world. And as we come to the end of that season, as we finally reach this miraculous, glorious day, we think to ourselves, What could be better than this? The transfiguration, it was a miraculous revelation of Jesus' glory. And we might think that it would be the best thing ever to see. I mean, at the time that it happened, Peter absolutely thought so. That's why he wanted to set up three tents. He wanted to make shrines so that they could stay there in that glory, commemorate that moment. This is what is important because this is where we saw such glorious things. Three separate shrines to commemorate what he thought was the most glorious thing that he would ever see in his life. Three places to stay so that they wouldn't have to go back down to all the chaos and doubt and mockery and confusion that they knew awaited them. In fact, we ourselves were sometimes a little bit jealous of this, wishing that we could have seen such a sight. And certainly the people of the early church were probably saying the same thing, thinking that they had missed out on something really great. They weren't able to be there for the transfiguration, and so they felt kind of robbed in a certain way. But as Peter is writing to them, he says that the word of God, that's even better. He says that that's even more sure than the transfiguration and the things that he saw. Did you notice that in our epistle reading this morning? It's from the second letter of Peter, the same Peter who was there on the mountaintop for the transfiguration. He's talking about being an eyewitness, about literally being there and seeing what happened during that day. He says, look, we're not making this stuff up. We saw it with our own eyes. But then he goes on to say that there's something even better, something even more certain, something that they can put their trust in even more than his eyewitness account. He says, we have something more sure, the prophetic word, to which you will do well to pay attention. Peter is saying it's the word of God. Not his own eyewitness, not our eyewitness account. That is to be trusted even more. Because the sad truth is, our eyes, they can play tricks on us. 
Have you ever had that awkward situation where you see an old friend from across a crowded room and you make your way over to greet them, only to find out that it's a total stranger who really looks nothing like your buddy once you get up close? Or you're in a room all by yourself, and you might jump a little bit because you could have sworn you saw someone standing over in the corner. Or dads and kids... I mean, we can go to the pantry five times and swear up and down there is no more salsa on the shelf. Mom can walk in and find it instantly. (laughs) Our eyes play tricks on us, and our memory does too. We can even misremember things and make them better than they actually were. Do you remember how great your very first car looked? It didn't look as great as you think it does. Remember how stylish that mullet was when you rocked it? Even though you might remember that you pulled it off and made it look awesome, reality is quite different. Even something as great as a glimpse of God's glory, our minds could twist around, could misremember, remember it differently than it really was. Maybe add little details here and there that serve ourselves and make it what we want it to be. But God's word It doesn't do that. God's word doesn't change. God's word doesn't depend on our faulty senses, and it doesn't change according to our mood or our ability to memorize things. That steadfast word of God, it unwaveringly proclaims the full and true glory of Jesus Christ. It doesn't rely on our eyes or our memory. It's not just a shiny moment on a mountaintop that passes so quickly. His real glory is eternal. And his full glory is seen in the cross and the empty tomb. Jesus isn't about just a flash and display of majesty. Jesus is about sacrificial glory and love. Laying down his life for those sinners who hate him. Have you ever wondered at the transfiguration accounts... Why Jesus tells the disciples not to tell anyone about the transfiguration until after he rose from the dead. You'd think he would want everybody to see it. He would think that everybody should say, Jesus was glowing. He really is God. Well, he doesn't want them to know because he didn't want people thinking that the transfiguration was as good as it gets and that they had somehow missed out on the best part. The transfiguration... It was actually just a precursor. It was a reaffirmation for those three disciples who were about to go through unimaginable torment and trial as Jesus was crucified. This was to reassure them that no matter how bad things were going to get, Jesus was fully in control. He was truly God, and everything was happening exactly according to his plan. That's why Jesus said, don't tell anyone. That's why it was foolish for Peter to want to set up the tents and stay up there forever. The full glory of Jesus Christ, it's shown at the cross and the empty tomb. And it is revealed to all people through God's infallible word. In the cross of Jesus Christ, we truly see what God is all about. Not an impressive presentation or light display. Not just an awesome voice from the sky that's going to make us tremble in fear. We see that God is love. Sacrificial love. Eternal love. 
The real glory of God is his willingness to give up everything for us poor, miserable sinners. We who doubt his word, we who whine that we didn't get to see the miracle, we who deny him day in and day out, he loves us enough that he is willing to suffer and die in our place. And that is truly glorious. As sinners, all the excruciating pain and humiliation of the cross, that should have been ours for all eternity. But instead, Jesus willingly took it all upon himself to pay the price that we were indebted to. And because he did, we will indeed see God's full glory with our own eyes. Jesus' atoning sacrifice, it took away the eternal penalty of all of our sin. By his blood we are cleansed from every transgression. It's removed from us as far as the east is from the west. In the eyes of God, we are holy, innocent, and righteous. And we sinners, we who deserve only hell, instead we are welcomed into our Father's eternal kingdom of heaven through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There we will be freed from all of our sinful doubts and desires. There we will be set free from all the effects of our sin. No more pain or suffering. No more sorrow or frustration. No more sickness or death. There we will spend all of eternity gazing upon the full glory of the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, standing together with all of our loved ones who have also died in the one true faith, singing out God's praises forever basking in his unimaginable glory. And even until that day, we, like Peter, James, and John, we are allowed to see a glimpse of Jesus' glory. Not just once, not just for a fleeting moment, but every time we gather together as a congregation. Here we see the love that Jesus has for us. Here we get to not just look upon the glory of Jesus, but receive it personally as he gives to us his true body and blood. Here we are given the most certain thing, the prophetic word of God, as he speaks to us through his inerrant and infallible scripture and tells us we are loved and we are forgiven. Just like on the mountaintop, here in the church, we are given a glimpse of God's full glory, a foretaste of the feast to come. The transfiguration of Jesus Christ it is a glorious moment, and it is truly worthy of celebrating. But rather than lament that we never got to see it firsthand like Peter, James, and John did, we heed Peter's words, and we rejoice that we have something even better. We have the unchanging, absolute certainty of God's word. We have the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. Our eyes, they might play tricks on us, our memory, it might fail us, but God's word, it will never do either. He is the more certain thing, the most certain thing, the one thing that will never fail us or lead us astray. And by that heavenly word, we know the full glory of Jesus Christ. His love for us shown in full at the cross and the empty tomb. For there and there alone, we have not just fond memories and dreams, but the absolute, unshakable assurance of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that by his cross alone, by his empty tomb alone, you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. <laughs>
Thanks be to God. Amen.